Hello, and welcome to What I'd Say presents Straight No Chaser One Shot. On the final part of this four-part series, we're going to have the guys discuss some of the songs that make up this amazing record. Up first is their medley of boys to men's classic Motown Philly, along with Montel Jordan's This Is How We Do It. I'm going to let the guys introduce themselves first so you know who is talking and let them start the fun. Hi, my name is Jerome Collins. Hi, I'm Walter Chase. Hey, I'm Steve Morgan. So this is a medley, a medley of two songs from the 90s when we first started out at Indiana University. The first time I heard Motown Philly, I believe I was in eighth grade. It was one of the first CDs that I had bought. I listened to it nonstop. I I was hooked on Boys to Men immediately. I always liked harmonies. My dad played Beach Boys and Beatles and every type of vocal group from from Motown. And that was what we used to listen to in the cars on the way to my grandmother's when we would go visit. When I heard Boys to Men, the boy band, they were, you know, not a cheesy boy band. They were like, they were cool. And they were from Philly, which was, I, I grew up about an hour and a half north in Easton, Pennsylvania. So the idea that all these guys went to a music school, uh, met at a music high school in Philadelphia was, it just blew my mind. (laughs) Young 13-year-old white Walt living in Easton, Pennsylvania, wanted to be at this this Philly music school and and learn to sing songs that were written by Belle Biv DeVoe. So, So that's where I first heard Motown Philly. This is how we do it was 96. So that was the same year. It was when we were first getting together in college. And we did that song as a standalone back in our college years. Jerome used to do the solo and we would do it. And we actually did a mix of some boys to men songs along with it. But, you know, the first time I heard This Is How We Do It, it was it was just a party starter in, in college. It was, a, it was a song that we immediately would blast on the radio. And it was it was just liberating and fun. And it spoke to, like, it's Friday night. I feel all right. A party song. That's my story. Yeah, for me, Motown Philly, I heard, think I heard it my first time a summer before seventh grade at YMCA camp. And I said, this is the greatest song I've ever heard in my life. I mean, it was hype. It was just such a great introduction to who boys to men were. You know, as, as a guy who liked to sing, boys to men, like Walt said, they were just, they were the cool new thing. They had a smooth sound. They were writing music that the girls loved. You're like, this is it. This is what I want to do. This is what I want to listen to forever. And they ran off a string of incredible hits after that, of course, but it all started with Motown Philly. Motown Philly, this is how we do it. Those represented like our time in school. That was what we were rocking in our iPods, I guess, when it first came out back then. I still had a tape deck when I was in school. It just kind of takes us back, kind of like a celebration of where we all started and how we're still, to this day, we're still rocking. This is how we do it. You know, it's still a hit. It's still banging. And and then Boys to Men, obviously, that was the group who we looked up to when we were in college. That's what we wanted to be like. So this is like a great experience to be able to sing and mimic songs that we grew up listening to and that we also, groups that we idolized. So it's just kind of like, you know, full circle for us. It starts it off. It's, you know, this is how we do it. This is starts it off the story. There is no better way to start it off than with this song to represent us and what it means to our group. Look, Straight No Chaser, what we come to be known as is a group that does a lot of mashups. So, you know, we, we always look forward to putting songs together that people may not have heard together. When we first came together with this concept for the album, it was, we've already done This Is How We Do It. And we did a little snippet of Motown Philly just to break down, but we never put them together. So Walt, I call him DJ Walt, 
decided to come, to, you know, he came to me with this track and he was just like, hey man, I'm thinking about putting these two together. And I was like, oh, that's a home run. It's golden. So it was just kind of like, and it worked. And it was just, you know, the, the idea that he came up with and then to put pen to paper, you know, it was just, it's great. It turned out to be actually one of my favorite tracks on the album because uh, it just starts it off. So it just starts it off the right way. Starts it off with up tempo, upbeat, and just like, hello, this is here we are. This is how we do it. I mean, both songs are universal. They've lasted the test of time, not only, you know, in our and be in hip hop, but in just across mainstream, you know, Montel Jordan is now a pastor. He is actually not performing in the music industry, but I don't want to call him a one hit wonder, but this, this was, this is his, this is his moment. And again, they're just, they're like introductory songs for these two artists, a chance for us to kind of experience you know, when hip hop really was crossing over, you know, this was the time of Biggie and Tupac and the rap of the mid nineties. But, you know, that wasn't something that I necessarily was able to listen to in the radio on the radio with my parents. But uh, Montel Jordan, Boys to Men, you know, had that universal appeal to everyone. And I mean, they're just both catchy, fantastic songs. Yeah, there's a musicality to both of them that I think appeals to the music nerd side of, of me. It, having like the little the arpeggiated things in Emotown Philly where they kind of did their show off point for Michael Bivens. That was always cool. You'd say, oh yeah, that's that's real artistry right there. It was something you could hang your hat on when you were looking at that as why you looked up to them so much. And the Montel Jordan song, yeah, it just gets the party going. It's a big, strong male sound with everybody just kind of, this is how we do. I mean, everybody's into it. It's a thump and beat. It's got everything you want in a party song. So in the process of putting the album together, we were trying to find uh, specific songs to talk to each part of the Straight No Chaser story. The beginning of our story was back in 1996 at Indiana University. We were a bunch of college kids, 18, 19 years old. And the type of music that we were listening to was Montel Jordan and, and Boys to Men. And the types of songs that we would perform would be songs by those artists, by Usher, by Shy, you know, these bands that were mostly vocals and mostly cool and had a bit of, uh, you know, something that you can sing to the ladies, you know, the R&B, the R&B style. We had done an arrangement of This Is How We Do It back on our second release in college, an album called Last Call. And it was a song that we performed when we did competitions, but it was mainly the song that we would perform at concerts that would either open the show or close a show, open an act or close an act. And it was something that Jerome, you know, just he could sing it as well, if not better than Montel Jordan. We had our own rap where Jerome talked about us starting the group in Indiana. We changed a little bit for this version. But when we were trying to find a song, we were like, well, do we go back and do a song that we've done already? And we had never done Motown Philly. We'd done little quotes from it. We've done more from from other Boys to Men songs, Thank You and, and songs like that. These two songs, you know, that they work together. They go back and forth about talking about, it's just an opening, an entry song. And since it was chronological, on our album to start with this. This was our kicking down the door and us showing what our vibe was, our style was, and, and also what our music was that we were listening to when we were back in Indiana. So when we're on the call, it was, who's going to arrange this song? And, you know, when we were first talking about just doing one of the songs, we had talked about just doing This Is How We Do It. And when someone mentioned, why don't we mix it up with Motown Philly, I immediately became very wary about wanting to arrange. One of the biggest challenges we have as an acapella group, as a group that covers other band songs, and even further, a group that covers other group songs together as a medley, is getting those songs cleared. We've come up against publishers 
producers or individual artists as we've done songs that have that have told us that once those songs get put out that they either don't want a new version of their song done they don't want it combined with another song where they don't want lyrics changed on the particular song and this has happened almost half a dozen times to us over the course of recording and usually what happens is we will arrange the song go into the studio record it get it mixed down, get it mastered, and then it gets sent out to the artist. And then after all of those hours of work, that's when the artist says, no, thank you. What we decided to do with this was we put the two songs together. I did the arrangement for it and I flew down to Florida to get Jerome to sing the lead over top of it. After we had all that done, then before we set, we went into the studio with the song, we sent it to Boys to Men and Montel Jordan's camp. Now that seems like it would be an easy thing, but because of the amount of samples that were on this song, there were over 10 publishing houses that had to clear this particular song. So the process took over four months for the song to finally clear from when we first did the demo until when it finally was was cleared by the 10th publishing company. And it was a week before we went into the studio. The last week we had a chance to record the song, we got thumbs up from the last publisher, whoever it was, that they were okay with the small lyric changes instead of saying boys to men going off we were saying snc straight no chaser going off the challenge of doing a medley was brought to its ultimate height here having to not only go through both artists to okay it but to include all of the publishers of all of the samples that happen in both songs and i think we ultimately found out it was cleared right about walt's birthday so i said well you got you got the best present you could ask for right there walt <laughs> the songs are pretty close. Like we use the baseline of Motown Philly through the whole song, which in college, we use the baseline of this is how we do it over the entire song. So we wanted to do something a little different with this to update it and to make it our own. I don't know, Steve, if you want to talk about the actual like how high the, the tenor parts are or something like that. It gets up there, no doubt. But I think, again, having the familiarity with not just the songs, but one of the arrangements then that we had performed, this is how we do it a number of times, really simplifies the process. Anytime you can walk into the studio, having a good idea of what your part is, where it's going to sit in your voice, how you want to sing it, that always simplifies the process. So having some familiarity with not only the song, but the base, base of half of the arrangement. There's a rap that we wrote for the middle of the song, the original rap that Montel Jordan does, and this is how we do it. We altered the lyrics to it to fit Straight No Chaser's story over the course of not only our time back in college, but our run here as a professional group. The lines were written by myself and Jerome. I think it gives it that signature straight no chaser, a little bit self-deprecating, but also just fun. Try to put a lot of wit and a lot of thought into how to sum up our story in a rap, which Jerome isn't a rapper. He can do it. He can cover the bases better than I can, I'll tell you. But for challenges, me writing a rap, Jerome executing the rap and trying to give it enough credence so that when Montel Jordan listened to it, he gave it the thumbs up. We don't call ourselves hip hop uh, artists uh, at, by any stretch of the imagination. So I think one of the funniest things was listening to uh, to the white boys coming up with raps, which is pretty funny to me. So I just had a bunch of guys that are coming chiming with lyrics. They're really, really good though, and it all came together. But yeah, we say it in, in the lyrics. We saw Mountel do it, so we thought a bunch of nerdy choir boys could do it too, and that's basically what it what it ended up being. A bunch of nerdy boys taking their swipe at rap. You know, hey, can't be any worse than what's out there. You know? <laughs> Well, there was a while there we were actually trying to get Montel Jordan to just join us on the album. I don't know whatever happened to that. Unfortunately, it didn't didn't work out this time around. But Montel, if you're out there, come join us on stage sometime. It'll be fun. I think we should put the same invitation out for 
any of the members of Boys to Men, if they want to come and do the chorus with us at some point, maybe we'll even give them one of Jerome's verses. I'm just kidding. They can sing the entire solo. Wanye, if you're listening, you can come on tour with us and you can get Jerome's bunk if you want. <laughs> People said we're crazy, we crazy not to follow our hearts. And now we're going to hear a discussion of the song, Just Like We Rehearsed. If it doesn't sound familiar to you, it's because it's an original song by the band. Here they are to discuss how that happened. Hey, this is Arliss Albritton, one of the co-writers on Just Like We Rehearsed. Hey, this is Mike Luganbilf. Yeah, me and Mike uh, had been threatening to write together forever. One day I gave him a buzz and he was available and we met at my other buddy's studio, Eric Torres, and we wrote the snot out of this thing. I love it. Right as we got in there, like we weren't sure exactly what it was that we were going to write. But then Arliss, he was the one actually who had the idea already or if it was just, you know, something that was on his mind. But he was like, I want to write a song just like we rehearsed. And I was like, oh, man, we're actually looking for songs that are sort of like that. You know, at this point, this was back in April when there weren't a ton of songs ready yet. So I was like, well, hey, I was like, we could write something about our group and then he was like, okay, well, I have this title and blah, blah, blah. And then it just kind of went, you know, from there. So it was pretty awesome. It was pretty epic. I like it. (laughs) I keep a record of ideas that I'm like interested in writing. And so I was wanting and dying to write like a Broadway or some kind of musical type song. And so I always had that song in my back pocket. Uh, just in case I ran into somebody that like was looking for the next, like maybe they were going to do new edition show or so I don't know. And then this is going to be one they can all sing. And sure enough, when Mike was telling me that they were needing almost autobiographical content on a particular song, I was like, oh my gosh. So I mentioned this title. And so Mike just told us this entire story of his band. And it was just perfect because he had the story and he came up with all the arrangements of the harmony. I probably was stronger on the lyric side. And then we had our uh, three-way guy, the Eric Torres there, and he was super melodic and he had this beat. It was really awesome experience to write it. The whole idea of our new album is it's like sort of a whole kind of rise, you know, it's our whole, it's everything from when we started in like 1996 up until now. And I feel like the lyrics kind of sort of goes along like with how we kind of began, you know, because in the pre-chorus, it's like, didn't have a thing. Singing for free. (laughs) Exactly. And like, that's what we did, you know, like I would say for, you know, for a year or so, like we had to knock on doors. I mean, to sing for free and blah, 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 you know, all this stuff. So it like sort of just kind of follows that whole thing. Yeah. Like most bands, you know, you live on a dream and you do whatever you can to grow an audience. And when Mike was explaining all that to me, I was like, oh my gosh, that's, he actually explained that to me. And then I dug out the title. That's kind of how that went. Hold the presses. I got a title for this. (laughs) It was awesome. I think it's the verse two where it's like kind of begins the whole, okay, so we were doing this and like now it's like we're on the way. Like it sort of moves along, you know, just kind of with the whole thing. This was kind of like a doo-wop thing almost. Kind of wanted it to have that like sort of doo-wop element. And I think you can hear that pretty much throughout the song, except for maybe the chorus, like where it kind of begins to go a little bit. It was one of the easiest arrangements, I think, because it was, you know, a song that I guess is 
kind of original and it's like it's not ever been done before it's it's a little bit kind of easier though like to do that just because it's like you can do kind of like whatever you want but the way that it was written i mean it just came out it was an easy process actually i think when we were having so much fun doing it it made it really easy to write especially the lyrics hit home every time we would drop some lines it was actually we were totally trying to think of how his band originated how they came to practice how they stood in the kitchen all night and all that stuff and we just kind of applied it like it was a movie so we painted this picture the band loved it enough and they cut it and luckily blessingly it's on the album so like within the last i don't know probably three weeks that we were all like hey like why don't we put this on it's the only original that's on the album it's the only song that we wrote it just kind of seemed wrong that we were going to do this whole thing about our whole story and we don't have something that's like original kind of one of the reasons why it's on i think you know it's just because it's like here's a song that just is really good and it like needs to be on here i'm uh happy that the group liked it and that you know it's on the record so you know we wrote the first draft i should say because you know a song it's more rewritten than it is written so i would say a week goes by and mike texted me hey i'm not feeling comfortable with some of these lyrics and so we dove in and we fixed them and then as we fixed one lyric it kind of changed another lyric because of the present tense past tense and all that stuff so we just had to kind of keep molding it out of the clay and and eventually it shined. But yeah, it was basically, we ended up finishing writing the lyric wise via text messaging over a course of two weeks, maybe something like that. It was, uh, I guess, towards the end of our sessions, it was one of the last songs that we recorded, but I would say that it probably wasn't all the way done until it was done, if that makes any sense. It's like a living thing. I kind of feel like once we got it right, it was like, okay, boom, that's it. Yeah, for sure. And I think some of the words that we had originally when you put them in the larger group and the harmonies and all that, it, they didn't pronunciate very well, some of them. And so we kind of adjusted that too and changed some of the wording. So it was a better timing, better pronunciations and stuff like that. So I know that sounds weird, but sometimes you have to jump into that stuff. <laughs> no, that's right. Absolutely. I think one of the things about the song that isn't like anything else that we've done is that I think everybody in the group has a line. Everyone sings a solo. And that was kind of a point. If it's a song about us, then like we need to have, I think everybody except for maybe one guy, but like it's not something that like we usually do. That was a cool aspect about the song too, is, is that everybody gets a touch. And oh, that's cool. Finally, we're going to hear the members have a discussion of the Percy Sledge classic, When a Man Loves a Woman. Hi, my name is Jerome Collins. I'm Tyler Trapp. Hi, I'm Segi Isho. Well, I think we were looking for, as you know, this album, we were trying to look for specific songs to fill different slots. When we um, first got out on the road, first kind of started this 10 years ago, a lot of us weren't married. So that was kind of a big moment that we wanted to highlight on the album is, and pick a song that shows that When a Man Loves a Woman and now that we're all married and we wanted to define the best song that we thought kind of embraced that embraced that moment and that the title of the song kind of is a home run right there. So that's what kind of drew it to us initially. And it's also a, a really good song. And I think we had Jerome in mind for the solo from the get-go and we knew that he could do a really good job. So it was kind of a win-win there. Look, I mean, that's been one 
one of my all-time favorite love songs. It's one of those ones that are up there. There are songs that are on my top five list. And when they came to us with that song as being a song, I was instantly like, oh man, I need to, I can't wait to get a hold of this. It's um, one of the most challenging songs any singer has ever tried to do. Uh, you know, Percy did it. And then, of course, Michael Bolton made it, you know, what it was. But I've always thought, I, you know, this was a song. I used parts of this in my wedding a song. So it was just kind of like, and it was the first time in my musical career that I ever closed my eyes and put myself in a different place. I literally opened up and then was, was just like, all right, we've got it. Like, what do you mean you got it? You know, because we usually, as as artists, we are nitpicky, want to go back and, and try to redo things. But sometimes you just can't recapture that magic. I'll never forget. It was just a, a moment of tranquility, just a moment of you know, out-of-body experience. And, it's you know, people say that when you get on stage, when you're nervous about something, you got to think about a happy, take yourself to a happier place or a place that is tranquil. And that was it for me. That song right there was something that I've always enjoyed growing up. And to be able to sing it professionally you know, on Atlantic Records, you know, on our on our seventh album, it's a pinch yourself type of moment still. I'm excited for that one. I, I'd say that one to me was my favorite song on the album. I just hope that, hope that people will enjoy just as much as I did recording it. Yeah, I think the story of the song is, you know, a guy meeting a girl, falling in love with the girl. And, you know, as a guy growing up, especially like early in college and high school, when you're dating someone, like, I don't know, it's tough to separate that bond you have with your group of friends and then the bond you have with your girlfriend or whatever at the time. But when you fall in love and you want to make this person, you know, your wife, then that person is held in such a much higher esteem than any group of guys are going to be. So like he says in the song, like if someone like puts down the girl, then he writes those guys off kind of thing. So it's it's that step you take from having a girlfriend to falling in love and finding that person that, you know, you're going to be with forever. Well, with this song specifically, we had a very unique opportunity to work with an outside arranger, which we don't do a whole lot. But Ben Bram has made a name for himself as being one of the best, if not the best, acapella arranger out there right now. He's done work for everybody. You know, we really wanted to work with him. So we came to him, you know, kind of gave him the concept of the album, kind of told him kind of what we were looking for. And he said, you know, hey, what about when a man loves a woman? You know, I could put this in a place for you where I just set it up and then you guys come in and knock it down. It was very cool for us to see how he works in the studio and it was it was a lot of fun for us it was a change of pace and it was it was nice i'll just add that um say you said that he works a little bit differently than than we were used to we're used to recording all the parts of a song and kind of hearing it played back maybe with a little bit of kind of a final kind of listen to it before it goes to mixing so you can kind of hear how the song's shaping up in this case um we all recorded our parts individually just with him we didn't really hear anything so he just took all the track and just left town so we were like okay i hope it's gonna sound good so it was kind of something that was really different for us. But then, of course, once we once we got the uh, mix back, it sounded amazing. And it was cool to hear it all together. I think the approach was trying to, to keep it pretty true to the original because it's such a good song and it's such a well-known song. Try to keep it true to the original and have, have Jerome just crush the lead. And that's and that's exactly what happened. We wanted to keep it true to its, to its original and its meaning because of where it was going on the album and what it meant to us in that time of our lives. Yeah. 
this was the first time in our professional career, you know, we've worked with other producers and other artists, but this was the first time that we literally worked with someone that didn't let us have any control over it. Uh, ben did a good job of just letting us record this, let everybody do their parts, and he took it and said, I'll see you guys later. It was the shortest time we, any of us have ever been in the studio, and for the song to turn out the way that it did, I guess that's what it is. Sometimes you just don't need to go through there and try to make the magic, force to force the magic. It has to be there. So that was, for me, you know, literally, like I said, usually when I record something, it's like, all right, I warmed up. Let me go ahead and do it again. Let me do it again. We didn't get a chance to do it in the song. The song was as grassroots as it comes. Guys just went in there, laid their parts, and that's what the magic turned out to be. We didn't have to work too hard to make to create it. So the approach that Ben had for the song was pretty great and unique. You know, in the original song, it's kind of just the soloist out there crushing it alone. The approach that Ben had was, let's have this soloist out there, but let's have him accompanied by, you know, three other guys, a trio that's kind of reiterating different points that he's making throughout the song. It gives it more of that doo feel where it's kind of a group telling the story rather than just one guy out there alone. It's very cool to put that little doo build to it in the arrangement itself. I think just getting comfortable with the way that Ben works. You know, he works very fast. He's super efficient in how he gets what he wants as he's producing the track and tracking it himself. He acts as the engineer for the song and the producer. So he's doing a million things at once while while still able to get, you know, these performances out of each of us while we're in the booth, it's it's really impressive. It was very cool to watch and be a part of. Thanks for listening to What I'd Say presents Straight No Chaser One Shot. To hear the rest of the episode, subscribe on your favorite podcast player or head to AtlanticPodcast.com for more info on our shows. One Shot is out on November 2nd and the reissue of Holiday Spirits is out November 16th. 